Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Across the country, Black people are getting the COVID-19 vaccine at significantly lower rates than white people. That's even true in California, despite the state making a big deal about equity when the rollout was just starting. Many people say that Black Americans don't trust the vaccine because of the Tuskegee syphilis study that started way back in the 1930s. But some people say that's missing the point and that it's getting in the way of the hard work it takes to actually address racism in the healthcare system. White people, people in power, journalists can't assume what a history like that means for Black people. And we need to apply that lesson to the vaccine and to the healthcare system in general. Today, how the medical establishment learned the wrong lessons from the Tuskegee study and why it matters for the COVID-19 pandemic right now. I'm Devin Kadiyama. Welcome to the Bay. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast. And I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hi there, I'm Randa Dirfetah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Really early on, when a coronavirus vaccine started to look like it was becoming a reality, that was when I started hearing people talk about Tuskegee. April Domboski is a health correspondent for KQED. You know, when they were talking about enrolling people in the clinical trials for the vaccine, but then more and more so after the vaccine was approved, we just started seeing one survey after another talking about how Black people were hesitant to get the vaccine. 
just started noticing this mantra, basically, that politicians, health officials, and journalists just started referencing the Tuskegee syphilis study. The Tuskegee experiment is a terrible stain on the soul of this nation. Because of things like the Tuskegee experience. The Tuskegee experiment. The Tuskegee experiment. The Tuskegee studies. Remember Tuskegee? Is this the federal government trying to fool you again? While they noted this hesitancy, most surveys did not ask people why they were hesitant. And so I just started noticing that you know, journalists and, and politicians and health officials started to fill in the blanks with Tuskegee. And so lots of people are bringing up the Tuskegee experiment as a reason why fewer Black Americans are getting the vaccine. How does that actually square with your own reporting and the people who you've talked to, especially in the Bay Area? I've been talking mainly to seniors, since those are the folks who are mainly eligible for the vaccine right now. And most of the African-American seniors that I talk to want the vaccine. Getting vaccinations and, you know, boosters and stuff from the time I was an eight-year-old, even up to this day, I've never really had any problems. For example, I talked to one man, C.J. Peoples. He's 66. He's black. He lives in San Francisco. And for him, the pandemic has been all over the map. He's been angry. He's been sad. He's been trying to ignore it, trying not to read the news. And he just he just doesn't want to get covid. And if there was a shot out there that could protect him, why not? I never really got any weird side effects from, you know, a booster shot or a vaccine a vaccination that, you know, I had to have for my health. And, you know, that's kind of like the way I looked at it. He saw that some people were writing about Tuskegee. He had learned about the syphilis study when he was in school and he thought about it. And he said, you know, I get why that could raise concern for people. For me, I, I kept that in mind. You know, what about Tuskegee and, you know, all of that and that history? And like I say, for me, I had to choose for me. I also talked to Maxine Toller, who lives in L.A., and she had she had a different reaction. You know, she's the block president in her neighborhood, and so she talks to a lot of people. She says, you know, hardly anybody brings up Tuskegee. If you ask them, well, what was it about and why do you feel like it would impact your receiving the vaccine now, they can't even tell you. The way she sees it is the history's not relevant. It's almost the opposite of Tuskegee. <laughs> well, because they were being denied treatment, right? <laughs> and this is like, you know, we're we're pushing people forward, like go and get this vaccine. Like we want, you know, we want everybody to be uh, protected from COVID. So other seniors I talked to, like Robert Lewis from San Francisco, he's 63. He said things like, I want my lifestyle back. That's the main reason. And I want to be able to function without being stuck in the house till infinity. <laughs> also, he's a germaphobe, so he wants to be <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> protected from that. Right. I also talked to a woman named Brenda Washington. She's 62, also from 
San Francisco. And, you know, she is a breast cancer survivor. She takes a lot of different medications to keep her cancer in remission. And so she just had some straight up medical questions, you know, like, is it safe for me to take the vaccine? Is it going to interact with the medications that I take? And so she just wanted to wait and talk to her doctor first before she made a decision about it. Because of the medications I was on, I mean, that I am on, and I feel okay. I'm just leery of how it will affect me personally. And so thinking about like what you were hearing about Tuskegee when the pandemic was was starting to happen and then these conversations you were having with with people, um, with black people, what question did all these conversations bring up for you? So, you know, I'm talking to seniors and advocates and hearing what they were saying about the vaccine and seeing what all these officials were saying about the vaccine in the media. I, I, I just noticed this disconnect. Can we take a minute here and remind people what the Tuskegee experiment actually was? It was officially called the Tuskegee Study of Untreated Syphilis in the Negro Male. It was a government-sponsored, taxpayer-funded study that began in 1932. A lot of people believe that the researchers injected the men with syphilis, but that's that's not true. Uh, it was a study of men who already had syphilis. So they recruited about 400 black men from Alabama um, to be part of this study, but they never told them that they were going to be part of a study, and they never told them that they had syphilis. What they told them was that they were going to be offered free health care and that they had come to cure bad blood, which was basically this sort of catch-all phrase that people used when they felt unwell. The other thing is that the researchers never actually intended to cure these men either. It, it was a study of untreated syphilis. And even in the 1940s, uh, during the war period, when penicillin was discovered to essentially cure syphilis, the researchers continued to withhold that treatment from the men because they wanted to finish their study. They wanted to see it through to the end point, which was autopsy. Jesus. Yeah. I mean, this study went on for 40 years. Uh, it, it wasn't exposed and shut down until 1972. And at that point when it was, 128 men had died from either syphilis or related complications, and 40 wives and 19 children had become infected with syphilis. For years, the Centers for Disease Control ignored people internally who were raising concerns about the Tuskegee experiment. But then, a CDC employee from San Francisco named Peter Buxton blew the whistle on this study. The details got leaked to the press, and before long, it was on the cover of the New York Times. April says that was the beginning of the end, but so much damage had already been done. So this is really horrific history. And I think a lot of people were just so shocked and horrified, and that started to sink in in different ways for people. But overarchingly, people seem to assume, and, and there's there's logic to this, like it makes sense. People started to assume, you know, how could Black people ever trust the public health system again? 
Will, will black people ever want to participate in clinical research? And the assumption was no way. And basically over the next three decades, you see various authors and academics write books and articles and make films that where this assumption basically gets repeated as gospel. As the years go by, there are some researchers who start to question this. I would say it kind of peaks in 1994. There's a bioethics conference. It's called the Tuskegee Legacy, Doing Bad in the Name of Good. And the assumption of this conference, everybody who's there, you know, medical historians and sociologists and bioethicists, all repeat this assumption that, you know, the, the, the legacy of Tuskegee is that Black people will refuse to participate in research. But like I said, there were these handful of researchers who were at this conference who started to say, well, do you happen to have any empirical evidence for that? And they went and did a, an exhaustive literature review, and they found nothing. It was known more in the gut than it was in the head. And so these these few researchers decided to get together and they said, let's go look for this empirical evidence. Let's go find out if this is true. They conducted a series of studies that over the course of 14 years from conception to completion, their conclusions were definitive. They found that Black people were twice as wary of participating in research compared to white people, meaning they had fears about participating. But when it came down to actually participating, Black people were equally willing as whites to participate. When you ask them about why or Tuskegee, there was actually no association between knowledge of Tuskegee and willingness to participate. And so these studies basically turned the assumption on its head. Much of it indicted and contradicted what the government said. So I talked to Dr. Reuben Warren. He's now the director of the National Center for Bioethics in Research and Healthcare at Tuskegee University in Alabama. And in the 90s, he was the assistant director of minority health at the CDC. So they had to, to accept the notion that this, this refuse to participate in clinical research based upon the U.S. Public Health Service syphilis study is not correct, incorrect, scientifically invalid. Hesitant, yes, but not refusal. And that's the important difference. Basically, when you sat down and looked at the research, it turns out many researchers had never invited Black people to participate in their studies in the first place, maybe in part because they assumed they wouldn't want to. But then when they did, they didn't try very hard. It was this assumption that seemed logical, but it had turned into a scapegoat. It was an excuse that people were leaning on to not do their work. If I don't want to go through the extra uh, energy resources to include the population, I can simply say they were not interested, they refused. And that was a convenient way for non-Hispanic white scientists to not include the appropriate black populations in their research. Because you have to make some other kind of compromises. You have to know something about the, the, the black experience. You have to gain trust. You have to be trustworthy. And with the history of distrust, 
then it was far more difficult and they didn't want to go through the energy, the effort, and the resources. So then what are the implications of continuing to just blame Tuskegee? One thing that's important is to not not to discount that the history is there and that it happened and it it was a horrible horrific thing. And I think what advocates who work with African Americans now will say is that Tuskegee is being overstated. We're over-relying on it as an explanation. And what it does today is, you know, I'm talking to people who are saying, you know, we're seeing a similar thing play out now with the coronavirus vaccine. There's this talk of we have these surveys results that show that black people are hesitant about the vaccine, but we're making the mistake of confusing that for refusal. And so the work that could be done to show people, you know, why the vaccine is is worthy of their time and trust, it's not being done to a sufficient degree. Yeah. And Tuskegee is, again, a scapegoat. It's allowing people to ignore what's in front of them today, which is contemporary racism, contemporary problems hmm. in the healthcare system. The word travels fast when people have negative experiences. They, they share it. So I talked to Karen Lincoln. She's a sociologist at USC who works primarily with African-American seniors. And she said, you know, when she talks to seniors, it's not about what happened 50 years ago. I think because of what so many older adults and their families are experiencing in terms of access to health care and the quality of health care that they're receiving, you know, their experience are more contemporary. It's what happened to me yesterday. Right. Not what happened you know, in the 1970s and 60s and 50s, you know, when Tuskegee was actually active. And so people have more contemporary experiences personally and with people that they know. How, How do we connect this to what's going on with the pandemic and the vaccine today? And especially like thinking about California, where we made a really big deal about trying to distribute the vaccine equitably. There's so much to say about that, Devin. Um, So with the vaccine rollout in California in these first few months, you know, since people 65 and over have been able to get the vaccine, we've seen various ways that this entrenched structural racism in our healthcare system has functioned so that more white people are getting the vaccine before black people. We have some stats right now that show that black people account for just under 3% of the vaccines that have been distributed so far, even though they account for more than 6% of COVID deaths in the state. And while we're seeing, you know, more than 30% of white people, you know, getting the vaccine. And we can actually trace back some of the reasons that this happened. So Governor Newsom, when he changed the guidelines, you know, to prioritize people by age, he also opened a few mass vaccination sites. Well, where did he open them? Dodger Stadium, Disneyland in Los Angeles and Cal Expo in Sacramento. Right away, advocates started saying, hey, remember when we tried this earlier in the pandemic with testing? Communities of color couldn't get to Cal Expo. Dodger Stadium is two bus rides away from black neighborhoods, and we know that black people are more likely to rely on public transportation to get around. Disneyland is impossible to get to without a car. 
Plus, the system was very technology-focused, and older people of color are even less likely to have that kind of access. So from the beginning, you saw decisions getting made at the state level that inherently favors people who have time and resources and education to navigate that kind of system. How do you want this story to affect the way that we think about race in our healthcare system now? The way that I think about this, I think the biggest lesson that we learned from Tuskegee is that white people, people in power, journalists can't assume what a history like that means for black people. And we need to apply that lesson to the vaccine and to the healthcare system in general. We can't assume what the vaccine means to communities of color broadly, but specifically because within communities of color, there's just such an incredible variety of opinions and thoughts and reasons for wanting the vaccine or not wanting the vaccine. And, you know, the healthcare system has been in a bit of an existential crisis for for a while in trying to examine itself in a way that puts patients at the center of the care instead of the institutions. And I think we are seeing that struggle continue to play out in a massive way right now. It's just so much easier to ask patients to come to you and give them care in a way that it's just easier and faster and cheaper for the institution instead of looking at healthcare in a way that is convenient for the patient. It's like what you were saying earlier. It's like it's easier, it's almost easier to blame the patient than going out and doing the work to fix the problems within the system itself. That's exactly right. I mean, as a health reporter, I have just heard story after story of black people getting blamed for their care not working out or black people getting blamed for being a quote complex patient or you know doctors assuming that black people will be non-compliant with a particular treatment and making prescriptions based on that kind of assumption and i think what this story shows on an even larger scale is a way that we are blaming black people for distrusting the system instead of turning things around 180 and having institutions and the healthcare system examine itself and ask itself, how do I build trust? How do I make myself trustworthy? Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you guys so much for working with me on this. Thanks to April Domboski, health correspondent for KQED. This episode was produced by Erica Cruz Guevara, myself, and our editor, Alan Montesilio. Our newsletter is written each week by Issa Mendoza. We'll leave you a link to subscribe in our show notes. The Bay is local news to keep you rooted, made by your local public media station, KQED. 
And if you made it this far into the episode, there's a chance that you love us. So I'm asking you a favor. If you haven't yet, leave us a rating. And if you have time, also a comment on Apple Podcasts to help other people find the show. I'm Devin Katayama. That's it from us. Talk to you next time. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks.